everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Today is Monday, February 15th. Welcome to the podcast. I'm glad you guys are here today. Today, I'm going to air part two of my interview with my friend, Dr. Kathy Cook. We are going to be talking again about how to teach our children how to think and why it's so critically important. At one point in the interview today, Kathy said, Heidi, childhood matters. And wow, I cannot think of a better place to pick that up. And today we're going to focus on how to help you teach your children how to think. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So thanks for tuning in today. I'm glad you guys are here. We have been uh, just loving going through the book of Titus. We are just halfway through that study. And if you've never joined me at Mom Strong International, it's a great time to do it. The study this month is called Walk This Way, How to Live a Rapture Ready Life. And one of the things we're doing in the study is teaching you how to help your children develop critical thinking skills as it relates to the world around them through the filter of God's word. So check it out at MomStrong international.com. All right, we're going to go ahead and pick up part two of my interview with my friend, Dr. Kathy Cook in progress. Because, you know, one of the things I love to do here is not just whine about what's wrong. I like to give solutions. Amen. You know, we can talk all day long about, you know, the mom who has a child who's disobedient or she feels discouraged and we can say motherhood is hard and we can stand in a circle and sing Kumbaya and whine about <laughs> it and talk about how we're going to have a glass of wine together over dinner. I would rather say, okay, this is hard. Let's figure out why it's hard and let's figure out what we can do to make it easier or make it more enjoyable. Maybe we can't make it less hard, but we can mm-hmm. make the hard more enjoyable. And I think that's part of what what you're doing. Number three, because I do have it in front of me, uh, you say help your students decide what they can think with. What say you? Right. So do you want them to think with new knowledge or old knowledge? One of my favorite things to tell uh, moms and dads to do is to let kids know if the topic is new. Otherwise, they feel stupid. So if you say to your kids, you know, hey, we're going to talk about something new in science today. You probably don't know a whole lot about it. There's probably going to be new words. You're not dumb and I'm not a bad mom. The purpose of school is to learn what we don't know yet. You know, so get ready for something that's new. Or the opposite would be to say to a child, remember last week when we were talking about magnets, we're going to come back to that. So go up into your head and find all that information that's up there from last week and bring it out so that we can relate it to the new information from today. But believe it or not, kids don't automatically know to do that. And then what about this idea, my friend? What if we talked, what if we warned kids about whether or not they should think with facts or opinions? Mm. There are so many people today thinking with opinions and emotions and both have validity. Both are valid. My opinion matters. So does yours. Our emotions have validity. What if, though, we said again, hey, think with the facts that are presented by the author or listen for the facts and the lies that are presented in this press conference. And after we discuss those and why you've judged this is a fact and this is a lie, then we'll talk with your emotions. Then we'll think with your emotions. But that warns the kid who's very emotional to kind of slow down and make sure that the emotions are valid in this case. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people using old emotion and applying it to new truth or new lies, and it's not mm-hmm. helpful. No, that's for sure. Right? I saw it. Did you see this? I saw, I think it was maybe Sunday or I can't remember, came across my uh, my phone and it was an it was an interview that was being conducted. Uh, and I and uh, the 
the interviewer was basically chest. It was Rand, it was Rand Paul. And if you saw it, but it was excellent. And he was basically saying, you know, do you say, will you say unequivocally that the election was not stolen? And Rand Paul said, well, there's been a lot of, uh, there was election fraud. We never did look into this, that, and the other thing. And this, um, this interviewer kept saying, would you, I mean, just trying to point him into a corner until finally mm. Rand Paul said, listen, the question you're asking me is a wrong question. And you're no longer a journalist. You are a person with an opinion trying to put me in. I mean, basically oh. he just totally called him out and it was the right thing to do because the journalist, I mean, Rand Paul actually said, you have forgotten who you are. Yes. And I thought, bingo. What I mean, he got right to the heart of the issue and he did not, because at that point, if I'd been in his, his chair, I'd have been uh, I think tempted to be controlled by my emotions. Mm. He did not do that. He allowed the facts of what this uh, journalist, this interrogator uh, was saying. To, I think it was George Stephanopoulos. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Mm. So you guys should look it up. George Stephanopoulos versus Rand Paul. It's actually epic. It was worth watching uh, because you can see the media bias. And teaching our children, this is actually bias, like journalism. This is not how journalism is supposed to happen. That comes when you've taught them how to think about where these questions are coming from. Absolutely true. I love that emphasis on questions. And you're right to be able to, you know, hold back the emotion, not that they're irrelevant, but in some, in some times, in some cases, they get in the way. But facts always, facts, truth. You can also think with illustrations and examples. You can think with observations and experiences. Now, there's something to point out. There are some people thinking with their observations badly because they get selfish and self-centered about it and they're not able to think of the whole, right? Mm -hmm. Other people can think with observations and then make sound judgment from those. And this is, again, where... Our kids have to understand worldview so they understand that selfish, self-centeredness is never right. And that's that's a whole other broadcast. But yeah, thinking with, what are we going to think with? It's it's significant. I hope that mm. makes sense. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important. You're telling them, listen, you can think with the facts or you can think with opinions. You can think with ideas or you can think with emotions and just giving them, it's a building block. To me, the thinking with is a building block. It uh, is. And it's if we, foundational. Yeah, I love that. And if we think back to the verbs, so let's say we're going to say you can think with your opinions. You know, we know that we've raised you to be thoughtful and to be to be a thinker, to be a feeler, to use your whole mind and your whole heart. So yes, think with your opinions so that you can defend them, mm. justify them, and predict the influence that they'll have. So now I'm back to those thinking verbs. I'm looking at your right? list again. I see that. Yeah. Right. So back to your idea that you want to be able to defend, which of course is a great verb and fits you very, very well. I praise God for the call upon your life. For you to be able to defend, you have to be able to define. Boy, that's true. So there is that there is that scope and sequence chart. If I thought, if I said to you, think with your opinion so that you can evaluate them, that's very different from think with your opinion so that you can talk about the implication they will have on others. Boy. And this is where, again, I don't want to overwhelm anyone listening. This is not something you do in a week. It's something that you have in your, your homeschool backpack that you really do look at the sequence. You look at the, the time frame that you have your children. Oh, praise God that you have these kids. You have days and weeks and months and years to influence them. And you think about what's my, what's my goal? What are my values? What do I want? Who do I want to graduate? Mm. And then you, you back that down. 
and you make sure that we're covering this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so important. And really, the these uh, the words and the verbs and the the um, the terminology becomes something that once you've understood it, once you're studying it, hopefully it just becomes part of who you are. And so you're teaching because you're learning. Everybody knows, right? Who learns more, the student or the teacher? Always the <laughs> teacher, right? right? And so we're learning as we're teaching our children. And I think this is a worthwhile pursuit. It's a worthy goal to try to teach our children how to think. And honestly, there are a lot of parents listening to this going, I need that. Oh, absolutely. Myself, when I'm watching the news, reading reading up on things, reading my own work, if you will, when I read what I've written before I submit it to someone, I go through it and think with different verbs to see if there's clarity or confusion. Um, absolutely true. And again, um, what I've seen happen in homeschool families is children who are taught this way and children who are allowed to have a list of verbs or a list of maybe 10 of the verbs so they're not overwhelmed, they can say to a mom and a dad, hey, dad, I would like to think with the word describe. Would that be okay? Mm. Or mom, when I finish writing the poem, I just was wondering if I could have in my head um, the word sequence and the word simplify. I think those words would help me write my poem better. Oh my goodness. Isn't that fabulous that the kids begin again to own their understanding that they have so much more control over their thought process than anybody out there would want them to think. Mm, And that control over their thought process is really going to translate into confidence, uh, which is really as parents, what we want to impart uh, to our children. I'm looking at number four and you're saying involve your students in deciding what sources, this is so important. Oh my goodness. Sources, sources matter of relevant information can be used and teach them why each source is valuable. Obviously you put at the top of the list, God, right? Who makes himself known to us through the Bible. What else uh, is on your list? You know, I start my list with people, parents, siblings, other relatives, teachers, professionals, Mm -hmm. friends, Mm -hmm. and peers. There are people, um, like I'm so sad for the elderly who are not asked enough questions by younger people. Oh, that's true. Well, now we've locked them away in nursing homes and no one can go visit. Don't let me start. Don't get me started. No, exactly. There's there's tragedy on top of tragedy. And then certainly there are, you know, textbooks, there are books. I always teach people to, you know, to look for the credentials of the author and to look for the credentials of the publisher. Um, newspapers and magazines. When I was a university professor teaching my students how to teach children how to read, I would teach about bias and manipulation. And I brought in three different newspapers that covered the same story, not a story. See, that's not the wrong word. The same event, right? And and we looked at the heading, we looked at the picture, and you could immediately see, like one, I'll never forget it. One article had a picture of one of our servicemen in a hero stance. One article, one newspaper chose a wounded enemy and one had uh. no picture at all. And there, there was a very different way that the students would, would approach those articles, right? So you can teach a lot about bias and manipulation from billboards and magazine ads. You know, when I was a kid, toothpaste was sexualized. Now everything is. Yes. And we need to teach our children that. And we can do that by not being afraid of um, the secular press, if you will, but using it for a wisdom tool to say, okay, look at this. Why do they have that word in bold? Why do they have that heading? What other heading could they have used? And then, you know, there are pictures, library books, certainly websites, demonstrations, podcasts, and blogs. I would pray that there are people who listen to your podcast as a family and discuss it because of the wisdom that you share. So, um, you know, back in the day when, when I was young, and I'm older than you are, Heidi, but I'm sure when you were younger as well, in school, there was the textbook. Oh, and yes. We were almost taught that if you go outside the textbook, it's cheating. Right. 
and it's not. No textbook. I don't think we ever went outside the textbook. I mean, well, I honestly cannot think of a time. That's a good point. When I was a university professor and I had students that would come to me and say, you know, Kathy, I'm taking intro to biology and I'm not doing well. I would send them to the curriculum library that we had in our education wing. And I would say, go find a high school biology book and read the chapter first. That's most related to the chapter in your college textbook, because it will be easier to read and you'll have prior knowledge to bring to the the task. And they would look at me and go, well, that's cheating, right? I haven't been told I could do that. No, that's not cheating. That's wisdom because learning matters. And Mm -hmm. so to train our children to know the sources, why they're valuable, why they should be avoided, when to use them, when they're maybe not to be used. Now, again, you're preparing your children for life because, you know, Jesus died that we have abundant life, not an abundant school experience. And, you know, you're not interested in only educating them for the school days, but for life. And this is where I think a lot of this comes in. Mm, it's so important. And I'm thinking as you're, you know, as you're talking about that, the the lens that we are giving our children, we're saying this is a lens you can look through that will give you an accurate description. Mm-hmm. And so obviously that first lens, you know, we want to filter everything through the Bible. So everything that we look that we look at, even those relationships with people in our lives. You know, a lot of us have parents that we would not send our children to as valuable sources of information. Yes. Right. Uh we're but it's okay if the, if our children, as they get older, encounter those people in their family, if they've been trained to see things through the lens of a biblical interpretation and a biblical worldview, and we've taught them how to think and taught them the right ways to to ask the questions, we don't have to live in fear that they're not going to be able to, uh, to withstand the onslaught of wickedness that we see coming our way right now in the culture. That is so wisely stated. And I'm going to say something that might surprise people. I don't think it's disrespectful to let children know why some people are off limits for some things. I agree. Yep. Yep. Well, and oftentimes people don't, they're afraid to say that because they're afraid, you know, we, we've been taught, you know, that's not kind or no, we're, we're telling our children, Hey, you know, we love this person, but this is not someone you go to for counsel. Exactly. Right. It's different from love. Learning is different. Yeah, that's exactly right. You said you had a Bible story. We've gotten through your four points. I'm, I'm really, I wrote this down. I'm dying to hear what your illustration is from scripture. Let me, let me choose Psalm 23, because as people are listening, it's a passage that many people know. I'm going to read it, some of it, not all of it. And the first time I read it, I want you to think about the places and the order they're in. Okay. The right. Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Now, now let me back up. Think about the places, the order they're in. And see if you can think of a personal illustration that makes this true. So think about the places, the order they're in, and if you can think of a time in your life when the order was true personally for you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Let me just stop there. There's a few more places that come up, including um, the the shadow of death in the valley. But let me just stop there. Green pastures, quiet waters, the path of righteousness. Mm. What's the significance of the order of those? He will often, if not always, allow us a time in green pastures, the word of God, the nourishment, the strength we need, the quiet waters, his presence in order to guide us to that path of righteousness, because we're going to want it. Mm. So if you feel like you or your children 
are not spending enough time on the path of righteousness, are not being guided, they're being rebellious, they're saying to Jesus, you don't know me enough to send me there. It's almost always, I have found, a lack of time with God. Because when we spend time with God, green pastures, quiet waters, if you study that in the original language, that's what that refers to. If we spend time with him, we're going to want to be with him on the path of righteousness because we're not going to want to break his heart. Mm. It's so true. And I often think of that aspect of the psalm where it says, you know, you lead me beside quiet waters. And then he says, you restore my soul. Yes, we cannot and restore our own soul. That's right. Yeah. We and he and he's the one who does it. And I think how often as mothers, there's so many moms that are listening to this, how often as mothers we need to get away with the Lord, alone with the mm. Lord, so that our soul can be restored. You know, we think, oh, if I just work a little harder, if I would just be a better mother, if I was just a better mm. wife, or the husbands who are listening to this right now and they're tired and they're worn out. And the answer is never work harder. No. The answer is never push, keep pushing. Mm. Uh, although some of us are prone to doing that. And I know that there are moments, you know, if you've got a deadline or whatever, you've got to push to get to the deadline. I understand those kinds of things. But when we live like that and we don't take the time to say, Lord, the places that you lead me are actually what restores my soul ultimately. That's and so good. It's a, beautiful, it's a beautiful truth. Yeah. Can I, let me do one more real quick. Listen to the pronouns. Just, just wrap your mind around these pronouns. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me. He leads me. He restores my soul. He guides me. Right? Mm -hmm. He's the leader. He's the guide. And then when you get to verse four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Mm -hmm. He changes from he to you in the valley. Mm -hmm. And, And I praise God that he showed me that. He makes me, he leads me, he restores, he guides, he's, he's there. Yes. But when we're in the valley, like so many people feel that today, yeah. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Are we, are we looking up? And again, and the verbs, mm. Heidi, the verbs, he makes me, he leads, he restores, he guides, he comforts, he prepares. Mm. This is the personal intimate God that we want to spend time with so that we are restored. So I'm just trying to show you that even if you approach scripture and even a familiar passage and you think with different verbs, different reasons, different things to think about, different thinking verbs, what if you read it to describe it? What if you read it to predict? What if you read it to analyze? It changes everything. And it can even bring the Bible alive in a new way if you feel bored by it. I hope that's an encouragement. Well, it's an encouragement and it and it helps reframe a verse that, you know, or a chapter even mm-hmm. that we've heard our whole lives, you know, we, yeah, as I walk with the valley shadow of death, you know, if we're looking at it through a different, through a different lens and we're, and we're personalizing it. And I love that you did this is real. This is really where you shine to you, Kathy. I mean, I've told you this before, mm-hmm. but that, that, that gifting that you are a shepherd and God has, oh, has thank you. gifted you with that heart of a shepherd. And I've seen it for so many years. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you are teaching these parents, listen, there's, you don't have to look at everything the same old way. You've always done it. There are lots of different ways to look at it. You know, I was thinking when you're reading, you know, of course I know the Psalm like you do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he prepares a table before me. And I was thinking the next part is in the presence of my enemies. Mm -hmm. Like here's the Lord of heaven's army saying, you know what? You guys might be attacking this woman that I love right now. Let me just set her, let me just prepare a banquet for her right now. Just so you can see who loves her. I love, I love this girl. She belongs to me. 
Oh, amen. Amen. And Heidi, if people don't understand that the prepare a table, the table is the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. So in the in the psalm, the shepherd is taking the sheep of the heat, it's hot, and he's taking them up the valley to the cooler mountaintop so that they don't die in the heat of the summer. And so he prepares. He the the shepherd goes before the sheep and gets rid of the pests and gets rid of the diseased water and kicks the water and makes the water pure. And he makes sure that the lions and the wolves know I've taken over this space, haven't been here in a couple of months. I'm coming back and my sheep are with me. So get out of the way. He prepares mm. the table. The, the enemies are there, but he's there. And then of course he anoints mm. and goodness and love will follow us all the days of our lives as we dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He takes us back down uh, to the, the shepherd area uh, at mm. the end. There's so much that's so there. So oh my much goodness. there. There's so much there. And I think for parents who are listening, you know, my heart is, and I know Kathy is your, your heart as well, is to equip these parents. There has never been a more important time for parents to engage their children in what is happening around them. I was talking to uh, my friend, Ginger Hubbard. I also, I know that you know her as well. And we were talking about parenting uh, last week and we, we had kind of, paused on this idea that for generations now, I think for at least four generations, we have watched parents drop their children off at school and we let the the teacher do the teaching. And then we drop them off at church and we let the parent do the, or we let the pastor do the shepherding. Yeah. When the job of shepherding and teaching has been given to parents, and it doesn't mean that we can't get help. It doesn't mean we that, that the pastor can't help us shepherd our children or teachers can't help us teach our children, but they're not the primary teachers and shepherds. Parents are. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think part of what you're doing today in talking about helping parents teach their children how to think is helping parents become better shepherds for their children. Mm-hmm. And education, as you well know, is the front lines. The battle is real. It is raging all around us. And this is part of that equipping. I appreciate that you see that. And I, I pray that others do as well. And it, it doesn't have to be long and compl- or hard and complex. It can be something that you begin to look at and add to the repertoire that you already have and let it be a fun thing. You know, make a go fish pile of the thinking verbs and let the kids choose the verb of the day. It doesn't have to be one more thing to do that feels overwhelming. I hope it's not that way today, Heidi. Yeah, I think that's good. And I think parents, you know, the Lord will help you take what you need to ask the Lord, what what is it that you need me to take away from this? I think the Bible is that way too, right? We can read the 23rd Psalm. I, I, it means something different to me now in my 50s than it did in my 30s. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think God's good that way. He'll tell you exactly what you need. We're reminding parents, go before the Lord and say, Lord, help me. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better mother. I want to be a better aunt or a better sister. And uh, God will do it. And he's using, I think, people like you, Kathy, and other people who are really out on the front lines right now saying, hey, listen, we know there's a war. I can see you, uh, Kathy, on the on the battlefield with me, and you're throwing people swords <laughs> and shields and helmets and, you know, hey, look at you. You got a hole in your, you got a hole in your shoe. Here's a new shoe. You know, just uh, equipping the saints. And I thank you so much uh, for doing that here with me today. It's a true joy and an honor. Thank you for what you do. And I really will be praying that people are excited about what we've taught them today. Thank you. If people want to find you on the internet, where's the best place to find you? CelebrateKids.com. All right. And you are going to be at Teach Them Diligent with me this year. So if you guys aren't registered yet for a local Teach Them Diligently, Kathy, you're going to be speaking at a bunch of them this year, right? That's the expectation. We are really hopeful and excited for sure. It'll be wonderful to be there with you and so many other amazing people. 
Yeah, we're gonna we're, we we uh, we definitely appreciate it more now. <laughs> yes. I think I think that's I think that's for sure. Well, thank you, my friend, for coming on. As usual, it's been a joy to have you. Thank you. For more information on my friend, Dr. Kathy Cook and her ministry, go to CelebrateKids.com and you can go to my show notes today where I will link back to this incredible discussion that we've had and we'll put these words and verbs up for you guys to uh, mull over and you can use some of our ideas today and I know that you're going to be encouraged and blessed. You guys love your families well today. Love your children well. God has given you a gift in stewarding and shepherding them. He's given you a gift in your marriages. Nurture your marriages, you guys. It is absolutely worth it. Have a great day, you guys, and I'll see you back here again tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.